This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, it's Fat Guy Friday. You know it, baby. Randy Bachman is up front shaking it. You know, he's out there leading the band, and you got to take care of business this weekend as the Cincy Bungle, oh, the Bengals come in at 1 o'clock, kickoff at Heinz Field. And indeed, I'm joined today, uh, on, well, fortunately for Max, Max is now proceeding down uh, a graduation joint. He's getting a, 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 a degree, honorary degree in mortuary sciences. Wow. So, for a guy that used to plant guys on Sunday... <laughs> Yeah. That's that's a good one. There's, there a six feet, there's a six feet under joke there. Yeah, there is a joke there, but I'm joined by Wes Euler, who has been kind enough to join me because on account of Arthur Moat's like booked for somewhere. What's he, he's got something going on. What's yeah, going you on? know, it's a rough life for this guy. I mean, he gets inducted into the JMU Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago. Uh, now, now explain JMU. Yeah, James, James Madison, Madison University, right. of course, the, the college that he attended um, and, and had a lot of success at. And then today, tonight, Wolf, he's getting his number retired at his high school. Wow. So I guess I guess that's a fair excuse to take that's, a day off. I would travel say, back to Virginia. We, absolutely. We wish the best for my little, little yes. caveat though. Well, I, I like I like caviar. So what, what, what's it with a little caviar? Little caviar, baby. Yeah, I like a little caviar and a little. You Yesterday, know. you know, on a, on the show that Moats and I do, the Steelers Blitz right. on, on Thursdays as part of our kind of starting to scout the opponent. Mm-hmm. We do three things Thursday. Okay. Three things that we think the Bengals do well. Three right. things that they struggle with. Three things that we like, three things that we don't like kind of conversation. Okay. And I made a joke when we were talking about the things that we don't like, the things they don't do well, how their uniforms were hideous as well. Mm. And, you know, that Skyline Chili that, that is that's a number bu- two. That's a bunch of slop. Moats told me his high school has the same uniforms as the Bengals. Same helmets, same uniforms. So he was like, you better not poo-poo the Cincinnati Bengals uniforms because that's I'm getting mine hung up in the rafters tomorrow. I didn't know how to feel about that, Wolf. I think he's got a soft spot for those tiger stripes, that mozi. You know, the funny thing is, I think back to my high school, all right? We were Orchard Park, all right, where the Bills Stadium mm-hmm. is, right? Orchard Park. Quakers. So you were really now, right who, there. Who wants to be a Quaker? What? Well, that's that was a not, Pennsylvania thing. Yeah, too, that's right? not tough. I mean, who, who wants to be a Quaker, right? No. So finally, they changed it to the earthquakes, which is still kind of like eh, it's a little fuzzy, you know. A little but fuzzy. Such is as such is. You I was know the, what I mean? I was the planets. So planets. The Mars fighting planets. Okay. And then you got moon. We, we were out of this world, Mars, baby. Yeah. The jokes, the jokes would just keep going. You know, it's all low-hanging fruit, and that's just what I that's do. Our fa- that's the only kind of fruit we eat, right? <laughs> Especially on Fat Guy Friday. You know it indeed. Well, it's a joy to have you here, Wesley. Always. And by the way, your dad, who was with the Pittsburgh uh, Symphony, right? Correct. Yep. All right. They're getting back to he live. around. Yeah, he, he's, the guy is spectacular. I mean, when he sent Tunch and I those, those Christmas songs that he played, it was fabulous, and he did the whole like background of it. It was just sensational. He I mean, loves he loves doing that stuff from the 1600s and stuff. Yep. and he plays it so beautifully, you know. And and now the the symphony's coming back, back, right? They're back. Yeah, last weekend was there. You know, they've been doing concerts all summer outdoors, like Heartwood Acres and, and right? places like that. Um, but they are they are back at Heinz Hall now, and I know he's he's jacked up and, and ready to go. He's, he's just been, he's ready to do headbutts. He's really. ready to get he's ready to get back to fiddling around. <laughs> you know, that's what they do down there at Heinz Hall. They fiddle around. <laughs> they fiddle around in that. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, so it's it's good vibes all across town, Wolf, for sure. Absolutely. All right, so my friend, 
First first order of business is obviously who's going to be ready for Sunday. Yep. Get yep. Zooks, man. Yeah, no, so the uh, injury report yesterday, if you might have missed it, we want to start with good news. Always good, good news. news here yeah. on a Friday. Full participants, Devin Bush and Joe Hayden, both full participants yesterday. Wolf, I, I, I would imagine that bodes well. Joe Hayden, he posted on Instagram uh, kind of making it seem like he was ready to go on Sunday. You see Devin Bush is a full participant as well, too. We all know how, I mean, out five or six starters the defense was by the end of the game uh, against the Raiders. Oh, that, yeah. That's an encouraging development. I think particularly, right, uh, against if you're looking particularly against the Bengals, you need Devin Bush out there to be able to run sideline to sideline against a guy like Joe Mixon. You need Joe Hayden out there at least on one of those trio of talented wide receivers. That's that's a big development having those two as full practice participants yesterday. There's no question about it. You know, I still go back and go, I kind of doubt that uh, Joe Hayden might have been sucked in like a Kella Witherspoon you know, yeah, uh, yeah. on that on that big one. But they, again, you know, I mean, that's really unfair to say sure. uh, in a sense. But, you know, you just have so much confidence in a guy like Joe Hayden Absolutely. because this is a guy that, uh, in my mind, has just been a superb performer all the way along, so consistent. And uh, I'm, I welcome him back because Joe Burrow, it's very good. Yes, he is. You know, now he he took a beat down in Chicago like a human Did you pinata. See three three interceptions in in a in, row. In a row. I mean, in, One, in a matter of minutes. Think about this, Wes. And he still had the temerity to post almost seventy percent completion rate and be able to you know have uh, in the nineties. I think his yeah. keep his team in the, keep his team yeah, in the game. Yeah, I mean he yeah. he was mentally strong enough to come back from three in a row and do that. That tells that's a learning block for a future great because. No, most normal guys can't do that. I agree too. It's it's that that short memory thing, right? That you always hear about with quarterbacks. I think Joe Burrow is doing a really good job of that. He is as a young guy, only in his second year, and remember, he didn't even get to play a full season last year because of the knee injury. Um, he he is the leader of that team of that offense. He's the face of that franchise already, and he is he's getting better. I know that's something Mike Tomlin was asked about on Tuesday, and you know. Coach kind of said that that's not really how we evaluate. You know, we're not watching Joe Burrow every week looking for how he's getting better. We're right. scouting for him this week. But I, I bet, you know, if you were to ask uh, Zach Taylor, you know, or, or someone from Cincinnati, the, the, the week by week, even from last year to this year, dealing with rehab, a serious knee injury rehab in the offseason, he still looks like he's taken a substantial step forward. The offensive line isn't great. But other than that, they've got some weapons around him. This is a team, Wolf, that that can score some points. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to limit these guys. Um, and I, I think Joe Hayden's gonna be huge in that because they do have that. You know, starting with Tyler Boyd and then the young guys, T. Higgins and the rookie Jamal Murray. They they they're just as talented as anybody at the wide receiver position. And that's gonna be those are gonna be some key matchups this week. Absolutely, there's no question. I mean, you go Tyler Boyd. Now I covered him in high school. That's right. I mean, I remember. That's right. I, th- I, I believe it was Clareton, right? Yes, yep. Clareton. I mean, I'm watching this kid in high school. We're doing the high school game of the week back then, you know. And I'm watching him going, "Yeah, Zooks, this is like a, a man among boys here." I mean, you know, because he just run himself open all mm-hmm. the time, and you know, high point catches. He's a spectacular athlete. Think so highly of the Tyler Boyd. I do. You know, you watch him and you see. I think it was like three out of four third downs last week against Chicago. He made the catch. He's the third down go third down go to guy. You know, T Higgins. This guy's big. He's like 6'4". I mean, that guy's, that guy's got ginormous for a wide receiver. 6'4", 216. That's like another Waller-type dude. Yeah. You know? That's and a good he's, comparison. You know, he's one of those guys that, that he can he can run the go route. He can run all kinds of routes. And he's a Chase Claypool type. You know, or should we say that uh, Chase Claypool Chase. or T. Higgins is a 
No. How do I? I'm all backed up. You're all backed up. Yeah. They, Chase they, they, they came in the league at the yes. same time, so neither one has the seniority, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out. I go, ah, forget it. You know, that's the whole thing about you talk about short-term memory. Yeah, that's I call it ramnesia. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. You it ram your head so much. Let me tell you something. Ramnesia. You get it from sitting around moats and me. That's what the problem is. It's infected you. <laughs> Ramnesia. I knew it wouldn't take long before I learned a new term here. It what are you took less, do? Less, yeah. than, less than ten minutes. I well, love it. You don't want to get. No, you're, you're you're right though. There are there are a lot of a lot of parallels to draw there. There is there is indeed. You know, and you look at they've got some good tight ends. You got the CJ Uzuma yep. guy. Yep. And th- isn't that the guy that like oh, high jumped the guy at the at the goal line? There was like a couple years ago. There was a great like he, think, he went up and over a guy right at the goal line. Yeah, I think that was Jermaine Gresham. Oh, that I was Gresham. I, I believe that right. was Jermaine Gresham. But that yeah. was that was a that heck was of a highlight. That was spectacular. He yeah. like landed on his feet or something. He did. He did. That like was a that was. Cat. You know what though? I wonder if he does that now. If they flag him for a taunting penalty. <laughs> hey, you know you don't you don't think? I mean, think about this. Did you, did you see what happened with the um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guy this weekend? Which oh uh, Ryan Jensen. Uh, no, not, not, no, no, the defensive back who had the pick six. No, didn't see it. There was a deflected ball, right? So there was a deflected ball. He grabs it at like the 10 yard line and there's nobody around him. And he just basically backs into the end zone and they, they threw him for a taunting penalty. Cause he backed into the end zone. Cause he backed into the end zone. <laughs> but it's not like he sprinted the whole way down the field and then backed in. Like he caught the ball at like the seven yard line. Like he was practically in the end zone already and just kind of backed in. Didn't look at anybody. Didn't point at anybody flag west you know this is going the way of the pis and uh, you know that that when they were flagged it was it, a flag it's going to decide a game it's going to flip a game at this some point ridiculous. this season and the reaction's going to be haywire well i know they're trying to avoid any any fights okay but look you've got to control yourself all right that's number one and as long as you don't have the joe horns calling on the cell phone you know pre pre-planned moves i mean for crying out loud how do you discern you can't stand over a guy that you just dropped from a great hit because that's showing dominance or something like, please. Yeah, I, I mean, just, it's an emotional game. You want it the, is. you want the guys to play with passion, and I think we all understand. Like, there's a there's a line there, but that's that's. I mean, but these these are grown this. men too. These aren't high school players. Exactly, we're all grown men. Here's the point: you bury somebody with an IHOP block, International House of Pancakes, which I just love, complete with butter and syrup. Okay, you we need a, a guy, couple of those on Sunday. Hey, we used to take our time getting up. You'd put your hand and kneel on the guy's chest, put your hand in his face because you want him to know, mm-hmm. yeah, I did it, and I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's part of the process of being that offensive defensive line going back and forth showing dominance, that sort of thing. You wear a guy down. That's part of the game. And now they're taking some of those precious moments out of what they've already taken out of, of which is a great game. Mm-hmm. And I just find that, um, look, when you got last, uh, they what? They threw 11 flags thus far for taunting in two weeks. All of last year, there were 11 flags, period. Jeez. I mean, this. I, I just hope they don't go overboard. I, I, I hope they don't that. oversteer. The, the car on this one. I'm with you on that. If it's, you know, if it's somebody running across the field to taunt an entire sideline, right? Things like that. I think we all know where there is that line, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's the nature of the sport, the physicality, the pride, and, and part of the mental aspect of it too, to, you know, over the course of three hours, wear somebody down, gain every type of advantage that you can. 
I'm with you on that one. I, I think that they need to they need to let off the pedal, let off the gas a little bit on that one. They do indeed. I you know, okay. and I thought that they would. I you thought they the just Premier overcall League. it. I thought they'd right. overcall it in the a preseason, just like a right? warning. Yeah, call overcall it in the preseason and then dial it back. But that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I sure I sure hope they do because that to me that's part of an offensive lineman's or defensive lineman's weaponry because when you get in the head of the guy over you right. you don't have to sit there and 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 you know do all sorts of gyrations right, and stuff right. you know it's just the knowledge I was here I did that and it, whether it's offensively or defensively it's part of the game that's part of the mastery Absolutely. you know when you lined up against Joe Green those smoking eyes and the fact that he might walk into the into the huddle and punch you out like he did Paul mm-hmm. Howard in Denver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. When, when he goes into the huddle in Denver, punches Paul Howard right in the gut, he folds up like a card table, and all the all the other guys in the huddle, they don't move. They just go, hey, ref, did you do something about yeah, that? do something but about they, this guy. They left Joe alone. I'm sitting there going, okay, you're pretty much a bad dude when you do something like that, man. Now, that's, that's like, amazing. You walked out of that huddle without anybody even raising a finger against you. Um, that says something about you. Oh, absolutely. I saw – you'll like this. I might, I'm going to have to show it to you during break. I saw floating around on social media yesterday um, highlights of, of Tunch versus Reggie White. Oh, yeah. And I tell you what, there was a lot of that, like, like that, that just kind of letting him know, hey, I know who you are. You're the minister of defense, Reggie White, but not today. And, and, Tunch and you played could, him you six could, games. You could six s- games. See all that the finish, the 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 never stopping, right? The the finishing the block to the ground through Reggie White. Like it was, it was a lot of fun to watch that. You know, it, it it was it was always fun because well, first of all, in six six games against Reggie, he never gave up a sack. That's amazing. That is amazing. amazing. But what a play! But I will also tell you that uh, you know what, the two of them. They're in heaven together right now. Oh baby. yeah, absolutely. I wonder if they're doing one on ones. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> They're teaching everybody the punch punch versus versus proper and the white pass hump, rushing moves. and the Reggie White hump and the move. Reggie White hump move. <laughs> All right, I think we go to break. We're wrapping this one up because we got coming up. We got Bruce Gakowski coming. How up. How about that? The big G, Bruce oh, Gakowski. Good time. Zone. Good time to have him on the show. All right, we'll talk to Bruce coming up here next. Wolf and Starks. I'm in for Starks today. You are in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. And Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. When you hear the glory days, that can only mean one thing. It's time to go to grad school with Bruce Gradkowski. He's on the line now. Of course, you know him, familiar with all of his work here in Pittsburgh with Pro Football Focus, with NFL Radio. Bruce, I'm, I'm Wesley Euler here. We got Wolf as well. I'm in for Starks today. Thanks for taking the time to join us. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. It's always good to be with you. And Wolfie, my man, 
You know, I just, you know, I can't stop thinking about our man, Tonch. I'm sorry to hear it. Um, you know, devastated when I heard the news and just, you know, just what an awesome guy. And, and I can't say enough about him. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy how life is. And yeah. I just think about him and what a blessing he's been to so many people. And I think of a story a few years ago, uh, he, you know, it was when COVID, I think, first started. And I see my phone ringing, it's Tonch. And I go, oh, Tonch, you know, it's not like we talk on the phone all the time. But I'm like, oh, cool. Wonder what he, what he, what he wants. So I pick up. I'm like, hey, what's up, Tonch? He's like, Brucey, how you doing, my man? He goes, hey, can I just, can I just take a minute and pray for you and your yeah. family? And I'm like, you know, so like that, that's just who he is. And so I just, I kind of went when, you know, we're, we're all devastated with the news, but I was also like, man, I just hope, you know, he's at peace now, which I know he is. And and he didn't have to struggle long with, with what was going on and stuff like that. But just thinking about you guys, my man, I know he, you guys super tight. I just pray one day I have a friendship and a brother like you and Tunch, you know, for how close you guys were. So just, just wanted to say that today, but it's good to be back with you. Well, I so appreciate your awesome words. Thank you, my friend. I want you to know that, uh, you know, as you well know, he's with Jesus. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. And he loved you, Bruce. He did. He truly did. As yeah. do I. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh, thanks, brother. appreciate you so much. I, I and you, uh, I just want you to know that, uh, you know, I I was with him right at the end, and um, it was a beautiful moment. And uh, I know he saw Jesus when he was he was looking there, and he put he had a smile on his face, and he it just oh, it was such man. a blessing. So um, we were there with some other folks, and uh, so anyhow, it's all good. That's awesome, um, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I think uh, I think I probably cried every day for a week. You know? <laughs> oh, I know, I know, man. I can only imagine and. Uh, but man, he's looking down on us now. Amen. You know? Amen. He's got his Cheetos so, uh, and his bonbons. He's going to sit front and center at ringside <laughs> for a one o'clock kickoff with the Cincy Bengals. So what I got to ask you, my man, I got to ask you about the fact you got the Bengals coming to town. This Joe Burrow, boy, yeah. uh, this guy gets hit a lot, but Bruce, he really does a job of throwing that rock around. Yeah, no, he's tough, man. He's tough. And- Solomon Wilcox and I, we, we covered Bengals training camp this year and had an opportunity to sit down with Joe Burrow. And, yeah, I just I love him as a quarterback because I love his mindset. You know, he just he's that guy you would love in the locker room. He's a great leader for their team, and, and he just he wants to win. And, and at times, yeah, I don't know if the Bengals are quite there yet. They're trying to build. they got a lot of young young pieces. But he sure does have the right mindset. And for a guy that – he really executes a lot of a, a playbook. I mean, they open the playbook up. He does a lot. They put a lot on his plate as well. So if he sees a look, he's going to get the offense into the best play possible, kind of like what I used to do with John Gruden. Like, if you see a look, audible to this play. And he's able to do that. So it's kind of special what he does bring. But, you know, they're struggling to protect him at times as well. So that's an area – that I think maybe the Steelers could take advantage of. And I know the Steelers, you know, were banged up a little bit, uh, but that might still be an area that I think the Steelers can get after this uh, Cincy offense. Bruce, you mentioned everything that a lot, you know, that the Bengals offense puts on Burrow's plate, all the responsibilities that he has out there. 
you know, being only 24 years old, coming off a, a major knee surgery and all that rehab, to still be the face of the franchise, to still be the straw that has to stir that drink, that, that has to be impressive for you to see all that poise, all that maturity, all that responsibility at such a young age. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's so impressive about, uh, about him. I mean, he doesn't flinch. I mean, the guy just went through major knee injury. He bounced back to start week one. You know, it's the same same thing I look at like Dak Prescott. You know, when we see Dak out there, everyone's like, oh, man, Dak's back. And to me, I was like, no, Dak's not back. This is a better version of Dak. Mm. You know, and not just physically, but mentally. And with Joe Burrow, you kind of see the same things. You know, he's back. But, man, you ha- he's had a lot of time to rehab mentally get right as well but it takes some time to knock off the cobwebs so you know the Steelers defense could have an opportunity to try to confuse the young quarterback but I'll tell you what he is a stud I mean his, he's, they, they have good good weapons outside as well um, so I think Burrow's going to just only continue to get better but I think the Steelers are getting them at a good point you know Burrow last week three picks right in a row so yes knowing the competitor Joe Burrow is he's he's probably coming into this game a little fired up with, with that performance. You know, Bruce, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because you think about the the awesome inner strength you got to have as a young buck, uh, throwing three in a row, three picks in a row, and you're getting hit right. like a human pinata, right? I mean, they're whacking them. The Bears are left and right. But yet he, yep. still, he still almost had completed like 68% of his passes. He's still graded out, I think, uh, what, in the 90s or something? Um, his quarterback ready that I can't even begin to tell you how impressed I am that he, you know, he had positioned his team possibly for the win, despite throwing three in a row. That's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it is. Whoopie. I mean, and that's the thing. And that's what separates, you know, these quarterbacks. And I've seen it from Ben, his whole career, just mentally tough right. guys that, you know, when things don't go their way, they don't tap out. They don't pack it in. And, you know, and you've seen it from Ben his whole career, and that's something Ben really, that's one of his biggest strengths is he's a guy that can handle adversity. He actually plays the best when he's facing adversity, Big Ben does. And you see Joe Burrow, I mean, it's not easy, man. It's not easy as a quarterback to throw a pick and then come back and throw another pick and then come back and throw another pick and then still play. I mean, at the end of the day, the goal is to just, you know, have your team in a chance to be able to win a game. And Burrow's able to do that. You know, so with Joe Burrow, it's not like at any moment the game's over out of reach. He's always going to be fighting back. And that's what you have a lot of respect for, the young quarterback and how he plays. Bruce Gatkowski with us here in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Bruce, I obviously wanted to talk to you about the other quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, our quarterback. He's going through an injury as well, left pectoral injury. Is that something you have any experience with? What's the type of pain threshold there for Ben that he's going to be dealing with on Sunday? And and then obviously, just how important is it with him dealing with that for for the offensive line to keep him upright, for them to get the ball out of his hands quickly to, you know, to not have him taking 10 quarterback hits like he did last Sunday? Yeah, I mean, no, I do have experience with that. Unfortunately, I tore my left pec off the bone when I was uh, with the with the uh, Oakland Raiders back in 2009. And uh, and that's not a good feeling, and I'm hoping <laughs> Ben's isn't it, it isn't like that. But anytime any kind of any kind of tear in a, in the muscle, it's not easy. Even if it's your left pec. Now, fortunately, it's not as right, but still, your left pec, man, you got to open up and throw. You, you're, you're holding the ball, so like squeezing the ball is not going to feel the greatest. 
you know, just taking another hit and landing on it is not going to feel good. So I, I feel like that's a significant injury, you know, and that's something that even though it's his, his left pack, you know, I think that is still something that you got to watch for in the game that, man, it doesn't get worse because this is something that can linger for a while. And it's, it's just unfortunate uh, because it's, it's not a fun injury to experience. So I feel for Ben right now. Exactly so. And you know how it is. No matter how tough you are, and Ben is a tough guy, ain't no doubt in my mind, right? But right. you know you, you have that involuntary flinch when you and and protection thing that God put in every guy, you know, you know, you right. got a little something there, get a little twitchified because you know that hurts a little. So you kind of involuntarily you will re- reflect that in whatever you're doing at the moment, trying to protect that area. So you know, it's not like people say, "Well, he can throw with his right arm." You know, he's got two arms for crying out loud. Well, it does make a difference. And if you go <laughs> to the ground with one of those three hundred and thirty pound behemoths, or let's talk about DJ Reed. The guy's 350 pounds. I mean, that's a that's a small prairie mammal for crying out loud, you know? That guy lands on you. It could be El Caput with the peck. Oh. No, absolutely. And this Bengals defense, man, they do a good job. They they have some some players on that side of the ball. You know, Mike Hill and he's got to be fired up to play his former team. And you know, so that's one thing I think the Bengals did this offseason. They did a good job you know, filling in some key pieces to that defense. The defense that played the Steelers pretty tough last year, you know, at the end of the year. So I think the Steelers are going to have their hands full in a sense that way. I I do feel like the Steelers' offense is is coming into more of a rhythm, can kind of continue to get in a rhythm together. It's always tough, you know, learning a new offense for everyone on the offense. It's not only about, you know, the stats. You know, when you watch the film, it's about execution. It's about everyone doing their own own job and own assignment. And then sometimes you don't see that all the way. So it's going to continue to kind of get better, I feel like. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, for Ben, it's not like Ben wants to sit back and he has years and years and years to continue to improve on this offense and how guys develop. It's like, no, we need to do it now. So the sense of urgency in which this offense grows is going to be cool to see. And I think they are growing. They got some good pieces. I mean, the receiving core, man, they're special guys. Now let's see you put it all together. You know, cleaner routes, routes, crisper routes, and then all that. And then with some of the running game tied in, they could do some things. Bruce, what have you seen from Jamar Chase, uh, the former, I think it was Burroughs' teammate at LSU. LSU. He's had touchdown catches of 50 and 42, though in the preseason they're saying, well, he's dropping the ball. You know, he's got right, the, the right. slippery fingers, but all of a sudden he catches fire 50 and 42. Now, I flunked math twice. All I know is <laughs> that's a long ways. <laughs> no, absolutely. And the thing that's funny, Wolf, like you think about it, you know, we, we could give receivers a hard time about drops and this and that. And I know Deontay Johnson had a few last year and, and some struggle with that at times. But it's not because they don't have the talent or ability to make the play. But think about it as a young receiver. There's so much going on in your head. You're, mm-hmm. you're hearing the play from the quarterback in the huddle. Now you're thinking, okay, where do I line up? Okay, do I have a shift? Do I have a motion? Okay, what's the coverage? What, how's this corner playing me? Oh, if he's pressed, then my route turns to this. Oh, wait, shoot, he was pressed. Now he starts backing off. Now my right route turns into a skinny post. Oh, shoot, the ball's on me. Boom, I dropped it. <laughs> you know, so, I, I mean, your your mind is going a mile a minute. So 
I think for Jamar Chase, I think things are starting to slow down a little bit. And now that when you get into the season, it's very specific game plans, and you know what, you know, kind of play you're running each and every week. Now it makes more sense, and you see it coming together. And, you know, him and Burrow have had a long-lasting connection going back to LSU. So they've kind of picked up where they left off in a sense. And you got to imagine he's going to just continue to get better. Bruce, when you look at this Steelers offense, obviously it's it's two games. It is still a relatively small sample size. But do you do you is there any way, you know, from your, your keen quarterback eye, your your analyst mind that you think, you know what, maybe this wrinkle or maybe if we were doing a little bit more of that, that it would open things up. It, it, do you look at the Steelers offense? Is there anything that you would add, anything that you would try maybe a little bit differently this week uh, heading into the game against the Bengals? Well, you know, like I, I like their approach. I do like Matt Canada's approach. I like his shifts and motions. I like that trying to gain some leverage on the defense, trying to get easy completions and so forth. And that's stuff you got to just continue to try to do. And you got to stay ahead of the chains. The hardest thing is once you get in those second and long, third and long, it's hard for any offense. So, you know, it kind of all works together once you get in a rhythm. And, and I don't think, you know, they, they have to – press the panic button by any means. I think they just need to continue to work their crafting and improve on what they're doing. You know, and as guys get more and more comfortable, I mean, last week, you know, the Steelers offense played better. You know, Ben played better. There were shots downfield they could connect on. Now, you know, maybe Chase Claypool, maybe his go route could be a little better and tighter. Um, And then all of a sudden, that's a big explosive play that they hit on. So there's a few things like that you need to clean up on you know, a few pass protection errors. Hey, man, remember, if we call this, you and I are going to the mic. This guy's flying to this guy. Like, it's just communication stuff. And that's what's awesome about the game of football, man. It's it's the ultimate team sport, right? So, at one point, maybe the quarterback misses a throw. Another point, the receiver runs the wrong route. And the next drive, the offensive lineman misses a block. Now, it's three separate positions, make it three separate mistakes, but it compiles into a big mess that it looks like for the offense. So I don't think it's a, it, it's a time to panic. I do like what Matt Canada is doing and, and hopefully they come together and get in a little groove. What would you say, Bruce, you're in the huddle with uh, your number one pick. Um, it's maybe a little bit tough sledding. He's Najee Naj Harris, uh, 10 carries, 38 yards. Okay. So you sit there and you go, yeah. hey, hey, young buck, just stay with it. Don't get discouraged because some of the times he ca- he takes the ball and he's not trusting the hole to develop. Um, at other times he's he's over you know he's over zigging zagging himself. You know how a running back is he's indecisive. He sees a hole he doesn't see a hole. It's like boom 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 boom, and all of a sudden you're tripping right. before you even get to the line of scrimmage. And it's like he's got to press the hole, be confident, but then be yourself. So what do you say to him? Yeah, I mean you just have to. He has to continue just learn and grow. He's a young buck getting a lot of snaps and a lot of reps right now. And it takes time. You get to feel how – I mean, just, we look back at Le'Veon Bell when he first came to the Steelers and his running style. He kind of learned how to read blocks or how to kind of run his way. And he was a slow-paced guy. And, boom, when he saw that hole, stuck, he stood, took a, um, stuck a foot in the ground, and, boom, he got vertical. Najee Harris, he'll learn how to kind of read each run. Like, okay, on this run, power, you got to read it this way. On zone, you got to read this, you know, and, and so forth like that. So I think the biggest thing I worry about with young guys is you can't lose them mentally first because mm. that's the hardest thing. All of a sudden they get down on themselves. 
Now you you lost them. It doesn't matter their ability. I think you keep this a young young uh, running back, Najee Harris. He has a lot of potential, good things ahead. And as this offense grows, just watch. It'll clean up. You know, defenses, once they start making those explosive plays downfield, it'll open up the running game and so forth like that. So I think you just keep continue to do what you're doing, continue to learn and grow within this offense, and I think the plays will come. Bruce, we really appreciate your time here. Bruce Gradkowski with us in the locker room. I believe this is going to be every other Friday, correct, Wolf? Does that we, sound right? Is that right, Bruce? Did we get that right? Every other, every other Friday with you guys. What a blessing, man. I love it. I love it, too. You know what? We're going on, too. You know, in my, my entire career, Bruce, we went on four once, and four of us jumped off sides. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you guess, and Bradshaw called it, I'll let you guess who the one guy that didn't jump off sides was, but you know it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it was full I steam ahead. <laughs> all right. Bruce, great chatting with you. Thanks so much for your time. We'll be looking forward to, to hearing you in the locker room all season. Thank you. Thanks, brother. I love it, guys. Have a good weekend. <laughs> you as well. There he is. Great stuff from him, all, all as, as always. Grad school there with Bruce Gradkowski. I, I love, love it. it. He's Way great. He, he, man, he knows his stuff. He, well, is, he, does. he is He is fun to talk football with. Absolutely. If you want to talk a little football with us, 412-919-1316. Those are the digits to dial. we got a couple of you guys hanging on hold. Uh, we'll continue the conversation as or when we return, I should say. Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler, I'm in for Max Starks today. You are in the locker room on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Back in the locker room, Wesley Euler in for Max Starks today, rocking and rolling with Wolf. Wolf, before we get back to the Steeler talk here, I just had to give a quick shout out. Our friends below us, WDVE, the morning show down there. They had their uh, WDVE Rocks Children's Radiothon this week where they raise money for Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. $1,061,157 donated by the listeners of the DVE Morning Show. That's a record. That's the first time they've ever gone over a million dollars, all for the kids at Children's Hospital. That's pretty cool. So big shout out to everybody involved with the DVE Morning Show, everybody who donated that's what makes Pittsburgh a special place right there. It does. Way to go, Pittsburgh. That's awesome. You know, that way, that's a way to pour a little love into kids. Absolutely. You know, making a difference in they, Children's Hospital and the DV Morning Crew, Randy Bauman, you know, uh, quarterback in that whole group yep. of, of crazies. Yep. You know, and so glad that they came along and you do something like that. I don't know. You just total props. That's and awesome. That's great. And way to go, Pittsburgh. And way, way to go, to back Pittsburgh. Them up. Absolutely. The, the previous record was – was it wasn't even nine hundred thousand dollars. Like it was eight hundred thousand something. So man, they 
set a high mark here going forward. Love it. Into the into the millions for the first time. Big shout out uh, to Randy, Val, Bill, uh, Joe, everybody involved with the DV Morning Don't Show. Don't forget Prazutes. Prazutes as well, too. How can I forget Triv? <laughs> How can you forget it? How can I forget Triv uh, and everybody who, who donated? You guys are awesome. And uh, I tell you what, that'll, that'll put a smile on your face on a Friday for sure. Over a million dollars donated. Man, that's just awesome. That's awesome. That great, really great job, Pittsburgh. Great job. That's how we go into the weekend uh, with a smile on our face with good vibes all around. We're wondering, Wolf, about the status of one TJ Watt, obviously. Mm. You know, you and I opened the show, uh, opened the locker room today discussing some of the good news with the injury report. I guess the other side of that, um, TJ Watt still limited yesterday. Deontay Johnson, Marcus Allen, Justin Lane, Alex Highsmith, and Carlos Davis did not practice yesterday. But I want to start with TJ Watt with you, Wolf, because that's, I mean, that's a big one. You know, I, I think we saw this play out on Sunday, just how valuable TJ Watt is to that defense. A lot of people over the summer when there was that contract back and forth, you know, when, when we were waiting for TJ's right. deal to get done. When he was holding in. Holding in, exactly. I feel like some of the naysayers, right? So, uh, there were a few of them out there, not many, but some of the people who were saying, ah, you know, you just you don't pay somebody on defense that much money, quarterback money, that's a ton of money. I don't know what's really, you know, TJ's wins value to the Steelers, right? They use that wins above replacement, that baseball right. term. Well, if I think we could put that to rest after Sunday, because oh. as soon as TJ Watt left the game, Derek Watt looked more comfortable. He looked more patient. He looked more poised. He didn't have the happy feet that we saw early on. I mean, this is this is big. We know that you have to be able to get after Joe Burrow and, and, and make him feel that pressure and not give him time to stand in the pocket. And, and with all due respect, obviously, to the, the litany of talented players that are on that Steelers defense, TJ Watt is, is at the top of that list. He is, he is very crucial to, to them being an elite unit. You know, there are certain players – that just their presence makes a difference. Exactly. You know, I remember uh, Joe Green. Mm -hmm. Joe Green, just his presence in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Even when he, you know, had suffered some injuries and wasn't the player that he had been earlier, just his presence. Troy Polamalu was, was that way. Exactly. Yep. You know, I mean, Joe Flacco, follow the hair. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You, you, those mm -hmm. sorts of things. They, they stand out. Now, TJ is one of those rare guys that his presence on the field, and you can – you can look at the stats. The stats bear it out. You know, I, uh, one of them was uh, I saw with since 2020, uh, there's three, been 352 snaps where TJ's been on the field, 150 or so, somewhere about. We, he hasn't been. But the difference between when he's out there and when he's not, quarterback rating goes from uh, when he's out there, 72, to when he's not, 113. Jeez. You know, the, the completion percentage goes, you know, like 10 points up when he's out. Um, the, the pressure rate is drops 10% when uh, he's not in the lineup. All those things. You know that when a quarterback, he gets back there, and he's just got that clock ticking because the TJ clock is quicker than the non-TJ clock. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so the quarterback be back there, and just knowing that he's not in there, Okay, I can pump this ball a couple of times, give right. my guy time to clear some of the windows that I want I want to clear. But if TJ's in there, you're going You don't have that whoa, extra whoa. half. No, second. you don't. Yeah. Get Zooks, get rid of this thing, right. man. Right. And again, I think you go back and watch the, the Raiders game. Derek Carr looked like a different quarterback as soon as TJ Watt was was out of the game. And I think that there there's a direct correlation there, certainly. No question. 
no question. Look, you don't get comfortable. You know, you you sit there and you got the antsy feet and everything like that. And, yeah. and you know, and I think it was Cam Hayward that spoke to this. That just the knowledge that that guy's there, that he's breathing down your neck, he's coming with something, um, tells you you got to get rid of the ball, especially somebody so good at not just sacking. All right, but strip sacking. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's another Ten thing. Two of them already the, yeah, in two games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the fact is, you know, when you've got a guy like T.J. Watt out on the edge, and you supplant that with an Alex Highsmith or a, a Melvin Ingram like that, so you got that three-headed monster. But you also got Cam Hayward. I just can't wait till we can get him. Everybody putting the band back together. I know. Stuff on to it. Where's that? Oh, that's eleven sacks. These guys all play together, and so. I mean, play so well together. They are like a symphony. <laughs> your there dad you would know. There, there you go. go. There Talking you go. about your dad. Yeah, there's a symphony, right? You of, got of, your string instruments. You got your woodwinds. You got your percussion, <laughs> right? It all comes together. There's there's a lot of percussion in, in there and there. <laughs> whole bunch, whole but, bunch of loud noises. Yes, but here's the thing. You know, the defense as a whole is that organic mass. But sometimes the front end has to really support the back end. So you got those guys in Buffalo with that, uh, the hound of the Baskervilles pass rush going. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. are after Josh Allen, like he's one of the Baskervilles, okay, in the Sherlock Holmes uh, series. So that, But then you come to the Raiders, and with some injuries, all of a sudden that pass rush is not so good. And, unfortunately, we had some injuries in the back end too. So yeah. That because sometimes the back end has to come through for the front end. So hopefully we can get the two of them together yeah. and have a big one on Sunday. How do you go about? You know, obviously it's 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 early in the season. This feels like an important game. You're at home. It's your first division game. You, you want to start with a winning record in the division. I think particularly right when you've still got four games against the Ravens and the Browns on the schedule, two each with Cleveland and Baltimore. Are you cautious though to? To rush TJ if he's not quite ready because oh, we yeah. know because we know how those groin injuries are right. The, oh, the yeah. last thing we want is this to turn into a month or two month long thing. No question about it, Wes, and you're spot on, my friend. Here's the thing about it: you don't want this to turn into something that becomes chronic. Right. All right, and right. then all of a sudden you got issues going on, and it, you know groin injuries become groan injuries because you it's a lot of groaning. Trust me, uh, I have had that injury. Um, I remember I was black and blue from my hip to my knee after one game, and the legs swelled up two cool. and a half inches. And I'm telling you what, that's painful, my friend. Oh. But I, you know, the the, the thing you I want to make sure to guard against that that is not there in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks because we are so far from the end of the season right now. So you got to get over it, which means, as Cam Hayward said, look, we got to have some people step up. Yep. They got to contribute. And you know, the step key through that crack in the door, like Mike Tomlin said. Absolutely. And the point is, he's like uh, Cam said, you don't have to take all the reps. You don't have to take the abundance of them, but you got to be dependable. Basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing for Cam. You got to be dependable and you got to know where you got to be. And that's one of the things that, I noticed, like in Buffalo, there were some young bucks out there for a couple players, too. And, and Cam was a little bit honked off because somebody didn't do what he was supposed to do. And I know this, and I always re- quote Terrell Edmonds going, I go, I said to Terrell one time, I said, what's the first thing that goes through your mind after you screw up? You know, Mike Tommy goes, oh, no. He says, it's going back to the huddle and big cam. Big you got to face big cam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, that's the worst part. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've, you've seen that fire from cam through the first two weeks. You need those leaders in these type of moments where 
There's a lot of moving parts on that defense. You know, people are injured. Maybe you're bringing some guys in. We got to talk about Jameer Jones in the next hour of the show, certainly. That's that's invaluable to have Cam Hayward, I would think, there. No um, doubt about it. In, in between that uh, defensive line and just kind of commanding the defense out there. With a lot of new guys as well, too. You know, you, you've got the the Schoberts that have been brought in as well, too, that are still trying to kind of learn the defense completely and get on the same page as everybody. Yeah, Cam Hayward's value certainly has been apparent through the first two weeks, and I imagine that that will only continue uh, on Sunday in what looks like has the potential to be the uh, defense that's going to be missing some dudes due to injury <laughs> once again, unfortunately. That's it for the first hour of the locker room, but we've got a whole nother hour to go. We'll get to your calls. Juan and Joe, hang on the line with us. Uh, if you want to get involved, if you want to chat with Wolf and I, maybe give us your predictions for this weekend. 412-919-1316. Those are the digits to dial. Our guy Jacob will get you up and on the line. More stellar talk when we return for the second hour of In the Locker Room. Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR.